Well, this morning, we're just going to want you to open up your Bibles to Exodus 25, verse 8. I've got lots of scripture this morning, but I'm just going to actually put them on the screen, and that way you can follow along, um, because I do have so many just verses and tidbits that I want to throw at you. But we're just starting with Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. And this is what this says. And the Lord speaking to the, to, uh, to the children of Israel, to Moses, said, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I have shown you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. Make me a place that I may dwell in their midst. The Lord speaking. And we're going to jump to Exodus chapter 40, the end of the book. Uh, verses 33 is Moses had finished the tabernacle. There was about 11 uh, chapters designated talking about uh, the tabernacle, the priests, and all of the article and the, the things in the, in the furnishings and stuff like that. But this is what it says in verse 33b. It says, so Moses finished the work. And then this is what happens. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, underline that, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. God in the midst of them all throughout. Highlight that part if you got it too. See, we have the incredible privilege that we get to know God, but it's not just about knowing him of God or, or knowing about him. It's that God actually wants to be present with us. God desires to be with his people. And so what we've come to learn so far is, is this journey that we're talking through of this children of Israel, it, it, it's actually where we learn a lot of the examples for us as Christians in the New Testament and in our modern day. The same God is still today working with his people. And what we've learned so far is the very first thing was God hears our cry. Amen? That was what he, we heard in the beginning of Exodus. We also heard that he calls us. Uh, he delivers us as he did these mighty, incredible acts to deliver uh, the children of Israel, so he has done incredible acts to deliver us. And then last week, as uh, Dave was sharing, we come to meet the God who teaches us. Teacher God, who constantly, all through this, is expressing who he is like, and he is so neat in that he wants to show what what does it mean to actually be in his kingdom or be a part or fellowship with him? And then, so this next topic, which I actually just am so excited. This is, to me, the pinnacle of, of all of the stuff that we've been t- talking about. I get to talk about the most uh, impacting, to me, the most significant part of this journey that you and I get to be on. And it's my favorite truth of scripture. From our, when we go from slavery to freedom, this is it. The Lord, Yahweh, the great I am, our Father. Think of all that, all that, that the, the same God that was at the burning bush and who was saying all these things. 
He says, I want to be in the midst of my people. The desire of the Lord all through Scripture, all through all of this book, is this a God who desires to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Does that sound familiar? And that shall be his name. Hasn't changed in all of this, as we're even reading from 2,000, 4,000 years ago. We have the same God who says, I want to be near you. So Terry, it was very significant because you were actually speaking a deep biblical truth. That if you open the door, it's not like he's not there. And you go, well, where is he? Because he's, he's not there waiting. for. He's actually wanting to be where you are. In the midst of us. And his promise in this is, is but there's something that's neat this. It's when we're approaching the God who is present, there is something that there was a, a, an interesting thing. We have to seek the God who is present. And so that's what this morning's message is. Seeking the God who is present. So this is part of Israel's journey. It's part of our journey. What do you mean, seeking the God who's present? Well, I'm explaining it like this. What does King David say? King David says in Psalm 27, there's one thing that I have asked for. The one thing that I seek after. Do you know what that was? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of in his temple. David basically says, if there's one thing that I could have, now, man, he's a king. He's got money. He's got, like, anything he wants. He could have, uh, he had, you know, whatever. Just, you put it in. You put the whatever you would want. I mean, as many Super Bowl tickets as you could think of. I don't know. You put it in there. David could have it. But he says, the one thing that I want is God's presence. The one thing that I'm seeking, that I may dwell in his presence, be in his house. He understood that, the, that God was the one who desired to be with him. But now David's saying, I'm seeking after you. Have you ever experienced the pursuit of someone? Have you ever done that? And I'm not talking being a stalker. I'm just, I'm just saying, have you ever experienced when you long to be with someone? That you suddenly like had this desire that you really, really wanted to be near in their presence. Do you ever have that? Oh, come on now. How many of you, you guys are still married. If there's some married people out there, you still get that, don't you, right? Okay, I'm, okay, me, yeah, see the two in the back. Thank God. There's a few people with heartbeats in here. Praise God. Whew. Okay, I am not, a, I, I, I'm not saying I'm a romanticist, you know, I'm this sort of, but I have to admit, I will, I will confess there are uber amazing months of time when suddenly I will get really, 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 really sappy and I go, oh, I miss my wife. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This weekend, I'm only gone for three days and I'm sitting there going, you know, I love these guys. I like, you know, that we're fellowshipping and it's great. But suddenly I was like, I actually miss my wife. I, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to be in just the comforts. I, I have a desire to be somewhere else. Many of you might have that thought right now, actually, but don't go there. Anyway, back in track. I, I would say my, this is etched in my brain when I was actually in, just when, when Nikki and I weren't, weren't even married. We were actually on this date, dating kind of uh, start. 
What happened was, I've known Nikki all my life. We've actually known each other since I was 10 years old, and I've had a crush on her all my life. So this longing has just been there. It's just kind of, but you know, it, I was just a brother, you know, just one of those nice brothers. And, but you know, endurance has something to say about it, guys. Just remember, faithful endurance, you know, you can get it. Anyway, what happened was this, is as we were starting to, you know, feel like, oh, there's relationship budding. Well, what happened was, suddenly Nikki said, I'm going to go to Bible college. And I was like, well, I think God's calling me that too, but I can't go right away. So how, what's going to happen? She goes, well, I'm going to go, and, and you're, you're going to be stuck in Whitehorse, Yukon. And that, that's, that's the reality. Well, I, I was secretly kind of going, what's going to happen next? I mean, I've grown up with you. I've been around you for all, like, pretty much all my life. Like, okay, this, we can do this, though. It's only four months. This is a fine. We can do this. Well, that four months seemed to be like a really weird eternity because I suddenly had this longing, and my mom and dad can testify that suddenly there was something where I was constantly saying, oh, I miss her, and, and was talking about her all the time, and just had this, like, oh, I wonder what she's doing now. My friends were like, will you shut up for crying out loud? Like, you always, she, she's not dead or anything. What do you mean? She, and, and here's the, this, this is the crazy part. I would phone her all the time. Now, this is how I knew that if anyone said, really, Norm, was it that bad? Was it really that bad? Are you, you're, just, you're, just, you're just making this up. It's not that. You weren't that right, desiring. Well, this is how I know. One day, my mom brought me into the house, and she goes, I came home, and she goes, uh, son, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, hi, mom. What's up? She goes, well, we just need to talk to you. You're, you're missing this girl, aren't you? Yeah, I'm kind of missing her. And she goes, well, I can tell you how you're missing her. And I'm like, what? I just got our phone bill. Uh, $600 last month. But mom, I love her and I'm just missing her. She's like, yes, but that's $600. Well, love, okay, you've never experienced that. Don't worry about it, it's all good. This is the pursuit, when, when we talk about wanting God's presence, when I talk about having a love relationship, when I talk about uh, God, who, when we say this, that there is a pursuit of him and seeking after him, it's about loving in that capacity. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. $600 didn't feel a whole lot at that time, to be honest, because I just had a, a desire to be with her. In the same way, $600 for the Lord, really, it, it, it should be, it's nothing. It's nothing. When I know there's a pursuit and a desire for his presence. Well, that was free. The thing is, God says, I want to be with you. But the question is, do you want to be with him? If you draw close to me, I will draw close to you, is what the promise of the Lord says. And so the Lord gives us an example of this as Moses is the pursuit for God's presence. And I'm going to blast through this really quickly. Uh, You're probably going to feel like I'm just going to go bang, 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 and it's going to be probably the shortest message. And I apologize now, but you'll understand why. Because at the end, I am very much committed to this morning not preaching long because I I just want to get in the presence of God. I'm telling you right now, so that this morning, you almost get geared. It's not the traditional, yes, we heard a message. Then I wanted to say, can we just stop, worship God, and if we just can just take time to be in his presence before we leave. Is that okay? So let's just go through this real quick. 
Please turn to Exodus 33, 7 to 17. And I'll read the scripture. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the, te- the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out, the, uh, out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand, and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Please note that. A generation that's suddenly saying, I want what this guy's doing. So Moses said to the Lord, See you, see to me, bring, me uh, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. So listen to Moses' request. Now therefore I have found favor in your sight. Please show me your ways that I may, may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God's response My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Well, look at Moses' little next reply to that. And he said to them, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? And your people, from, and that makes us known to all other nations. From every other people on the face of the earth, we are distinct. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, for I know you by name. The one thing I want is my, your presence, is what Moses is saying. And God says, I'm going to give it to you. But do you notice this thing? Moses is asking God for his presence. He's seeking it. This didn't just come because as something that God said, I'm going to overcome and, and, and make it just, oh, wow, we got blown away by the presence of God. No, this is something different. This is Moses doing stuff. In the passage we just read, Moses is pursuing God. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, do not bring me from here. Well, remember, the journey so far has been, they've been led to Sinai. God had given them instruction. Don't worship other, other gods. Don't, you know, he, he told them all the commandments. He gave them instruction. And in chapter 24, the elders and Moses go up to the mountain, and they make a covenant. And I, and I love it. Dave, it was a foreshadow, right, that these elders were able to come up because a, they sacrificed a lamb, they sprinkled it on them, because sin cannot get in the presence of God. But the elders get up there and they go this, God, you're going to be our God. And we're saying this on behalf of the people. A covenant has been made. We just made a vow. Now, they do that. That's in Exodus 24. The elders go down. Moses stays up in the mountain and he gets the download from God. And he's there for 40 days. And guess what happens next? 
Exodus 33 or 32. Well, as Moses is away, suddenly as God's people who got the instruction, don't worship other gods, they get a bright idea. You know, I'm just thinking, there's, we're kind of bored here. The guy has left us. It's 40 days. I'm a little bit impatient. Does anybody have a, you know, you, you like to have things now? Like you want your coffee now? You want whatever? The, the Israelites have the same issue. They kind of, patience is not a virtue. You know what? This God thing isn't working. Let's go worship Aaron. Can you make a, a, an idol for us? And so they do this. No, no sooner had they received instruction they are sinning, and they're actually chasing other gods. This is what's scary for me. Do you think we're any different as Christians in the modern day? That we could say to Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, and we make covenants and say, you are my number one, and then the very next day maybe worship something else. That's just those Israelites. That's not us. That's not us. That's no, that, that's not what we do. And God's going, no, we are exactly like them. And in Exodus 33, when we read this, that Moses is going for the presence, they had just done this. They had just sort of said, you know what, God, we, we're, we're, we sin. We keep breaking our covenant. And that's the thing is, I will never, I, I can never say enough that we are as a people, tend to stray away from God. Don't we? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us are righteous, is what the Bible says. Not one of us. In fact, when I think that I'm so righteous, he says my righteousness is like the filthy rags. When I think that I'm so good at worshiping him, he's like, really? Because he sees our heart. He sees us and he knows our innermost being. He knows when we have lust. He knows when we, what, we, what we do on their day off. He knows what we are. And God goes, but still, this is the neat part. I'm going to want to tabernacle with you. Because he was giving him instruction how I could dwell with you, even though while you are yet still a sinner, Christ, God, wants to be with us. I don't get it. His longing, though we are quick to go for other things. Jeremiah says this one sin I have against you. One sin. You go, you have rejected the, the, the stream of living water, and you've gone for broken cisterns that do not hold water. I think of that in North America. How many things that I go to, me as a pastor, that I say, this is what satisfies on a day-to-day, but when I have the living water, the stream of living water. And what did Jeremiah said? He said that God sees as a sin. I don't see that as a sin. No way, that's not, that's not turning away from God. God says, no, that's when I have living water for you every day. I'm the bread of heaven. I got manna for you. I, I want to be with you and, and walk with you. Sin hinders us from the presence of God. So in Exodus 33, Moses just simply says this, the people have sinned, and he comes and says, forgive us. And, Mo, and God says, I forgive them. But this is interesting. Moses intercedes and he says, God, 
I want your presence. And this is something that's interesting. This is something I started to say, God, I want to get this in us. I want to preach that Jesus came and died for our sins, that there's forgiveness. But I want to preach something else. I want him more than that. I want him in my life. I want his presence. I think many people have heard that Jesus has died for our sins, but have we told them that he's something worth living for? He's better than. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's eternal life. He's better than the things that I think that, you know, I I love things that, like, I love football. I love all those things. But sometimes I forget to say, you know what? Jesus is so much better. Not that he just, that we, oh, that thing becomes a sin. That's not the point. It's the goodness or how much I express God's love, kindness, goodness. So this is the neat thing, is that God, in our journey from slavery to freedom, God actually wants this. He, he comes and he says, I want to be with you. I want to dwell. I want to tabernacle with you. But what's your response to this invitation? And I think it comes in, in, in our lives when we can do this. You see, God has given us a freedom of choice, and like Moses, we now choose. We respond to God's invitation to be present in our lives. We choose, and there's, there's just a couple choices that we can make today to have God's presence more. The first one is this, and I see it through Moses' uh, walking out. The first one is this. You can choose, you and I can choose to be a spectator or a participant. In wanting God's presence, God says, I want to dwell in the midst of you, but you must make one choice that is very crucial. You need to either choose to be a participant or a spectator or a participant. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. What I found interesting in these verses is this. In, chapter, in verse 7, everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. Everyone who sought the Lord, could go. Everybody has opportunity. But what I found interesting with the tent of meeting, because the tent of meeting is not the tabernacle. Moses said, I'm going to go meet with God. And he made this little place called the tent of meeting. And most of instruction, like I said, came about the tabernacle. But now we get this little thing where God, Moses is saying, I'm going to go meet with God. I'm going to call it the tent of meeting. He understands God wants a tabernacle, but now Moses is kind of pursuing God. He's going to this tent. But you notice what this tent is? This tent isn't in the middle like the tabernacle. It's far off. Why, did, why was that? Why was it that this place that Moses had to go suddenly meant he had to actually get out of the town kind of thing? Well, because if you know about this, if, in, having you know that when you have to drive somewhere, you have to make a commitment? Have you ever gone to a sporting event? Have you ever gone and you have to like get to that place? Like, have you ever, who's gone to a Blue Bomber game? Anyone? Anyone gone to a hockey game? Have you now said, it's just a little different when you're going to have to get there, right? Because it's, when I watch it on TV, it's to, I'm watching, I'm a spectator still, but when I've actually taken a, a journey to get there, there's a little bit more of a commitment. 
I'll, I'll tell you why. I was watching the Jets one time. They were losing horribly, and not often, because they're doing really good. But as they're losing, guess what happened? I just kind of said, ah, forget it, and I turned off the TV. Well, when I was at the game, and, and one time we were playing, and they were, they were losing a little bit the same thing. I, I mean, I haven't gone to many games, but I was watching this game. It was actually the Blue Bomber game, that they were losing pretty bad. What happened was this. But because I was there, suddenly I'm like, I'm going to watch this thing to the very end. Now, I'm so glad I did, because you know what? That was the one game when they came back from the miraculous whatever, and I was like, <gasps> I now, I heard everybody at home. Do you know how many people turned off the screen at that point? Because they were spectators, but they weren't really in it, because I thought, no, I'm here, I'm invested. Moses does something. He says, I'm going to go to a place where I'm going to make an investment, attend to meeting. God wants to dwell, but there's a little difference in here. And I think it's because that's, that's something what it means for us is a choice. A choice to say, God, what does it mean to have you near and close to us? In the New, Te- New Testament, God tabernacles with us. He, we are called the temples of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? God, Jesus actually gave us an invitation as well. Did you know that? He said, if you, in secret, go and meet your father who's in secret, will he not also reward you? What? Your father who's in secret, when you meet him in secret, when you go to the secret place, he will meet you there. When you decide that you're going to take time to meet with him, he will meet with you. But you have to say, are you going to go to a secret place? Because he was talking about prayer. He was talking about what prayer looked like in in conjunction with this relationship with God. Don't pray like hypocrites where they pray out loud and do all this stuff. He goes, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven. But he said, when you pray, pray in in this way that it's just where you and God are meeting. Suddenly, I, I, I go, wow, wait a second, there's a, there's a secret place. Now, the only thing I found interesting, I did, a, I did some research on P, uh, Christians today in, in devotions and whatnot, and I asked a question. I said, how many, how many do you think, on average, Christians that actually go to a secret place or do some sort of daily devotion? What do you think would be the average? What do you think, Aaron? 5%. Well, here, this is the shocking part. This is what the... They, when the survey of most North American Christians, Christians they expressed how they, they want to have um, a desire to please and honor Jesus in all they do. 59% they agreed with this statement. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truths, but less than 20% of them actually daily read or meet with him consistently. I want to live for you. I want to. You know, and you know what I found interesting? The Israelites did the same thing. When Moses got up to go to the tent, everybody got out of the tent and they stared. Oh, look, Moses is going to the tent. He's going. And they'd watch. They'd watch as he's going to the tent. Look, he's going. In fact, it was really cool. When, he, when they got up, they all stood up. And when he got in, the cloud came. And they, oh, they'd even a little bit of worship. Then go back in their tent. Well, this is weird because all of them could go to the tent. Why didn't they? I think they loved being a spectator. Don't you think? 
Isn't it easy to be a spectator? Isn't it easy just to say, Lord, you just, you do it, and, and somehow I can just watch. But Moses said no. And you know what happened? Joshua said no. I want to meet with him. And what happened out of this, if you'll notice, who actually uh, gets into the promises of God? Later on, we get to the end of the book, it's one young man who said this, I would not leave. He would not leave even when Moses left. A generation that was growing up so hungry, they wanted more of him. They just wanted more. They were, they were, they were saying, I know that I have the Spirit dwelling in me, but there's more. There's more of his love. There's more of him that I can have access to. And what started in them is, is this desire that even what would happen when they would go through a desert, it would sustain them because they, he said, I'm not leaving here unless your presence goes with me. I want more of you and I want this to be inside, breathing in me so that how will any other world know unless you're in me and you're doing this? And he says, this very thing I'll do with you. I will give you my presence. I'll fill you and I'll do That's the same thing that we have in the New Testament. Because the Holy Spirit, you know that pillar of fire that came down? It rested as the, as the promise of God's presence. Guess what happens in the New Testament, Dave? While they're sitting there worshiping him, suddenly a fire comes down from heaven, separates and puts on each individual. So he's going, I want, my pre- I want your presence. And God says, good, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. It's not just for Moses. It's not just for one generation. It's for every single person. If you want it, seek me. And I, I am right now in such a place where I'm going, God, I want you. I'm asking, because this is what, the tip of it, and, I, and I'm going to close this down now, bud. I'm going to shut it down. As I said, I'm committed to not doing the message. I'm committed to just getting us of an opportunity to worship. So yes, come on up, Terry. This is the final point. Because Moses said, this is what God said about Moses. He is my friend. He is my friend. Something has stirred in me in the last week of saying, what does it mean to be a friend of God? How can I, Lord, become more your friend? And I actually felt overwhelmed, and this is why. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. You're so big, you're so awesome. It's like, you're amazing, and you're so infinite and huge and I kind of thought, this is what's happening. I feel like, God, for you to just fill me somehow. You see, this is me. This is God. This is actually a bad representation because God's unlimited. So fill me, God. And I was like, this isn't going to work very well because how, how can I contain this? And I, and I actually feel almost, imp- this is impossible. How could I do this? Do you guys have any ideas? What do you think? Well, I know what I'll do. I'll make my container a little bigger, like Aaron. Aaron's got a big container. So, oh yeah, you already know. For Aaron and for myself, to be in Christ means this. I'm not looking for a Sunday morning, look, I felt the presence of God. 
I'm not looking for a time when I worshipped him and I felt his presence. I'm in Christ. I feel him every day when I'm walking to, at, at Starbucks, when I'm in my work, when I'm at home. And the fruit of this, the evidence of this is this. Norm is different. I saw that when Moses went in and went to the presence of God, he actually glowed. Well, what does it mean for me? It means this. Suddenly the fruit of God's spirit is all over. Norm seems to be different. He spent some time with God, not just at Sunday morning and he had a good little worship time. He suddenly was encountering God and he became full of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. He was getting all of this and it was changing him. And you know what was even more? As this is just a little fraction of it, it also expressed some gifts. He actually had new faith to pray for people for healing, for whatever, because God's presence was so around. Did you know the presence of God was so thick on some of those guys? Uh, Think about it this. Peter, his shadow was walking along. He was walking along, a shadow, and people were getting healed. Was that because of Peter or because he was spending time with the presence of God? In Acts chapter 4, it says this. They knew that these guys, Peter, remember the guy who denied him three times? Something's different about this guy. He's really bold, really bold now. And they come, come to one conclusion. He's been in the presence of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 19. 